0: This episode of NerdCognito is brought to you by the Village of Greenhaven. You might have heard something about Greenhaven if you were a fan of NerdCognito or run in the circles that we do. Greenhaven is a completely system agnostic. That means you can run it in anything. Pop in principle. You get a complete town, surroundings, NPCs, all sorts of stuff. Random tables out the wazoo. All for... A minimal price right now it's on sale on drive Through rpg for a and for two bucks you can pick up all of these amazing things to pop right into your game i happen to know the author and he wants you to pick it up too and especially celebrate the fact that in the first week of release the village of greenhaven made copper bestseller on drive Through. if you haven't already popped it into your world now is the time. Go to Drive RPG. Search for Greenhaven. One word: G R E E N H A V E N. Find the supplement. Get it while it's a buck ninety nine, and enjoy as you pop in this principle into your campaign. Now, on with the show. <laughs>
1: Nerd
0: Cognito. Hey, everybody. It is I, Ryan David, King of the Fat Fingers. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Welcome to Nerd Cognito. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh, I'm, I'm catching my breath a little bit. Uh, as you heard in the intro and through our show sponsor, who is my product, the Village of Greenhaven, we made copper. This week, and I couldn't be more proud. Bestseller in one week on Drive Through RPG. It it really is something to talk about. But today's show is not all about Greenhaven. We're getting back to the basics today, and going back to our regular stuff, which means you're gonna get a about an hour of fun-filled entertainment and banter, and a little bit of news, and some opinions, and you know. My co-hosts are going to spout off and call me horrible names, starting with my good friend, Bert. Hey, Bert. Hey, Ryan. How's it going? Um, pfft, I told you off the yeah. air yeah. Uh, how, how it's going. Let me bring in Kyle so I can talk about this, too. Hey, Kyle, what's going on?
2: Hey, I'm trying to think of bad names to call you.
0: You can call me whatever you want because um, <laughs> a little inside. Uh, we, we do record a couple days before this drops. Uh, this morning, I woke up. And I was pleasantly surprised Greenhaven in a week made bestseller on drive through RPG. That's the good news guys. Yeah. The bad news is good job. I was bleary eyed and having coffee and managing my product from my cell phone on the couch. Mistake, Never a good idea. Mistake. Number one, mistake. Number two, I clicked the make private button on the listing. Oh, no. Normally not a bad thing, right? If you are a regular uh, publisher, you you just click it again and make it public again. Uh, Big deal. I'm not a regular publisher. I'm thrown back into review. So right now the listing is sort of in the ether. But by the time this drops, it should be restored. Um. I'm just kicking myself in the ass, man. <laughs> that was the <laughs> stupidest thing that I've ever done. Um, things were going well. POD is going to be next on the horizon. Everything is falling in line with that. We made bestseller. We were on the front page of drive-thru this morning,
2: and I delisted the product. Oh. Uh, <laughs> oh,
0: wow. Man.
2: Yikes. Wow. Yikes. Well, you know, I don't know what to say
0: it'll be back. When when people are listening to this show, it will be back. So uh, I'm just, I'm a moron. I've said it before. Uh, I'm an idiot. <laughs> so um, yikes. Yikes. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about some other stuff uh, besides Greenhaven. We've talked quite a bit about Greenhaven, and I don't want people to to think it's like, the infamous media group publishing show. It is still nerd cognito. Yeah. So, we're going to open up and talk about NPCs, how they live, are created, and exist in your game world. Then, we have some news. Then, after the news, we are going to give a preview of another product that's not mine, right? It's our dear friend Cinnamander, our eternal check mark hero. Is producing something and I think it deserves some talking about. So we're gonna do that on the other side of the news. Oy. Any any sad tales of woe from either of you from the week? Because <laughs> I've already told my story. No, I mean I was sick a couple of days,
1: but that's fine. Yeah, that's, better now. that's sort
0: of going around. Like our, our game group got KO'd again two weeks in a row, Bert, because yeah. of because of the plague that, that's spreading. Um, that was no fun, Kyle. I was ready to go. I was yeah. ready to 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 soldier on, and and I was excited. And oh, I'm sick. Okay, all right, fine. I'll I'll run man down, and then a couple hours later, oh, I'm not gonna be able
2: to make it. I was like, ah, oh, I'm not running two man down. <laughs> yeah. I was disappointed that I didn't get to hear more about the adventures of the Trog Hole.
0: Uh, <laughs> it, it's it's coming. It's coming. Bert likes the Trog Hole. Bert is the I fighter know. in that campaign, and mm-hmm. um, he he uh, almost got destroyed on the first first session. Yep. by a Minotaur coming out of the Trog Hole.
1: Yeah, so. no, nothing like level one fighter versus Minotaur. That that goes over well.
2: Yeah. Yeah, 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 but you made it, Bert. You're still I, alive.
1: I'm not dead yet. He
2: is it's not like, dead it, yet. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's kind of like Die Hard, right? Die Hard Part Seven, Bert.
0: I, Kyle, give me mm-hmm. some good news or give me some bad news. Just make me laugh right now. I need I need it. Oh funny funny how like i'm like i'm a clown i'm supposed to fucking amuse you yeah huh? you're here for my personal amusement
2: <laughs> <laughs> i haven't i haven't watched that for a while i think i should throw it in the queue you just uh, threw me on the spot it's the first thing i thought i was like oh oh joe pesci
1: okay <laughs> okay my wife and i have a great tradition with that movie every time we sit down to watch it we have to try to recreate the uh the prison feast the steak's fried in the pan and the pasta and bread and wine and she's like you're gonna watch that movie you might as well make that meal for dinner right
0: that sounds good i i uh i'm hungry i didn't have any breakfast this morning so um i'm captain crunch man Captain I, Crunch. Two i words. couldn't even finish my coffee my stomach went in a knot when i pushed that fucking button and i knew it immediately as soon as i did it i was like no 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 no, no. yeah you know joe pesci would be a fabulous shell for an NPC. <laughs> <laughs> it
2: would actually, it would. That's a yeah, it's a, a very distinctive personality.
1: What fantasy race would that Joe Pesci character be?
2: Any any fucking thing he wants. <laughs> yeah, any fucking I mean, thing he wants, Bert. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> uh, I I yeah. Before we dig into the NPCs, I'm just gonna say, despite my love of Goodfellas. Not my favorite Joe Pesci role ever.
1: Really, really. If, if, if you
2: say there? Home Alone, I'm gonna. I'm beat not gonna Essentials. say Home Alone.
0: <laughs> casino. Not Casino. It's my cousin Vinny. Oh. My cousin <laughs> Vinny is definitely good, my favorite Joe Pesci role. That's that's a good movie. <laughs> I would I would have the my cousin Vinny version of Joe Pesci as an NPC in my game. <laughs> NPCs serve some interesting purposes. And depending on the DM, it varies wildly, right? How do you guys, I guess, from a top-down perspective, you know, the old three-sentence summary, how do you guys view NPCs? And then we'll get down into the nitty-gritty after that. But if I were to say, Bert, how as a DM... Do you leverage your NPCs? What's your answer?
1: Normally I break my NPCs down into three types. You got your background NPCs. They're not super important to the story. They're just people the characters run into. Guy drinking at the bar.
0: Unnamed gentleman drinking at the bar. Right.
1: Right. Right. Then you have your um uh back, then you have your like uh mainstay NPCs, like your barkeep, your you know, somewhere that the players go regularly like you give them a little more personality you know it's not the random guy drinking at the bar it's this guy owns our favorite tavern where we meet every you know after every one of our adventures like right that's and then i've got my special npcs and those are the ones that they kill like, you well those are the ones that are <laughs> pivotal in storyline like for special npcs i'll actually do character sheets for them and see how they work out like because I want them to be as fleshed out as possible because the story kind of pivots on them.
0: Right. No, you know, Bert, we seldom, I mean, we agree on a lot of stuff, but we are seldom in lockstep as far as philosophy goes. I, I don't know that that everything you said is aligned, but you're absolutely right as far as the prep for the NPC. I have the NPC, that's a blurb, I have an NPC that's a stat block and I have an NPC that's a full character. Uh, So I, I absolutely agree with you, Kyle. How do NPCs exist in your worlds?
2: Um, Well, I was, I was actually, I think Bert's pretty much spot on. There's like, there's like three types of NPCs. You got your background, you kind of got your mainstays. I I don't know that I'd put those words to them necessarily, but then, and then you've got like your, your premier NPCs, your big bads and your, you know, the, the noble knight of the kingdom who's on the character side, whatever, that kind of stuff. Right. But then I go further than that. And then I kind of go into tiers of NPCs. Right. So that you have, everybody's kind of a background to a certain extent, but then when you get to, so that's like tier one, it's just like, this is the NPC. It's the, it's the shopkeeper. It's the barkeep, whatever, whether they're a regular or not. Then you've got like the second tier, which are like adventure driving NPCs. This is the street urchin who picked your pocket when you were in the in the marketplace of the city, and he took your ring of invisibility or your bag of holding. And oh, where'd this kid go? Now we got to go find him, right? And you can you can almost kind of lead your players into an adventure that way, and then you've got the top tier, which are the NPCs that drive things that are going, that they influence the world in the background. So these would be like your political uh, power types, uh, kings and, and factions, uh, leaders of factions, and things like that that can actually potentially change the course of history. The, the you know the historical inertia kind of thing. It's
0: interesting that, that you said you're big bad you consider an npc and yes Yes. um i've never really i i totally get it but i've never really done that but i do everything that i would do for like you said that high level npc that and high level not high level but high level as in incredibly deep and influential right Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. The big. I guess the big bad is an NPC. Look, uh, we can all learn every day. Um, <laughs> I, I always just sort of had this extended group. So I guess I'm gonna have four groups of NPCs. Right. I've got all of the three that you mentioned, and then my big bads get particular special love on top of that because, right. and we're talking big big bads, right? Not not middle management bad. We're talking right. the antagonist of whatever we are doing. Um, yeah, I mean, gets that
2: it, yeah. yeah. I mean non-player characters, but yeah, you know, I mean it's non-player character. That's the definition, and so that's how I use it. It's it's any character that's not being played by a player.
0: Right. <laughs> now I'm I'm gonna say a dirty phrase here. DMPC
2: yeah I've, I've I've played in a long time ago I've played in games that had those
0: yeah yeah i
1: I've done that a lot with groups of new players like I'll throw in a healer that I run that like keeps the party alive or like you know kind of offers them a little you know bump in the right direction it's not a habit that I have most of the time I've had got enough players to sort of cover the roles but I've thrown in dmpcs where you know they need a healer or they need like a hype man a bard who can give them little boosts and keep the party
0: motivated where do we draw the line
2: right i generally don't i generally don't recommend them i think they're a bad idea having gained a little bit of a small very small amount of wisdom with my age i
0: I, i don't like them if they cross the line from NPC into DMPC, I have no problem. If you have an NPC that is traveling with the party sure, and helping and, it, and assisting the party in certain ways, but there is a distinct line where it's too much.
2: Right. Yeah. And that's, and that's what I was, was kind of going to get to is the fact that there's a, there's a, there's a very fine line and as a dm or game master you have to be very careful there if you're going to introduce this sort of so-called dm pc that's it's it's very easy to cross that line and sometimes you don't even know you've done it until it's too late so what is that line for
0: you Kyle what are are the sorts of things that you have to be hyper aware of that, so that your npc doesn't become your, your ego trip, the MPC.
2: <laughs> right, right. Okay, well, number one, a DMPC has to have the ability to die. Absolutely. In-game. Oh, right? sure. You know, yeah, they, have able, they have to be able to the subject to be able to be killed just like the PCs do. And I've seen DMs before where it's like, oh, no, he can't die. He can't die. That's it's ridiculous. That's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. That's, that's, that's probably the big one. The second thing is, too, is you don't want to use them as... You don't want to railroad your players through by using a DMPC. I mean, it's it, it can be used that way. It's another way that you can railroad the game sure. to get the outcome that you got in your head, and maybe that's not what the players want to do. And you're kind of taking away or s- taking away some of the player agency and stuff. I know that's kind of a bad word. That's to say a bad word. Times,
1: See, for me, it's uh, I limit DMPCs always have to be a support class because you know it's the players that I want to shine in the story. You know what I mean? So for me, I'll put one in if it's necessary. Like if we've got a bunch of new players, if we've got, you know, a really small group where it's short, but I'm always going to put that character in as a support character, uh, one who gives the other players a chance to shine.
0: I have a very simple rule so that my NPC that is with the party does not become a DMPC. And that rule is very simply This character cannot make
2: any decisions. That's probably a really, yeah, that's a really good rule. And when Uh,
0: I put that rule in the back of my head, now of course, you know, we're fighting. um, I'll give you an example. Uh, Bert, throw your memory back about three, four years to uh, our last big fantasy campaign, okay? Okay. There was an NPC that was traveling with the party, and his name was Doc Doc. He was an intelligent construct that was there mechanically because the party needed a mechanism for healing, okay? Doc Doc was an automaton. Doc Doc executed a program as the party did stuff, right down to who he would assist and how he would assist things. Doc Doc could not make decisions, make inferences about what was going on in the world. Doc Doc was an automated tool. And that was a very conscious decision I made because Doc Doc was a fun NPC. <laughs> if Doc Doc were in any part of that campaign dispensing information that were to guide the players to their next whatever it was or jumping into party banter with meaningful tips or little hints right. that would have crossed the line for me yeah and most of the time and i did this with doc doc for a few sessions when there is that sort of npc that has to be brought into the game in the party sphere i hand it off doc doc to the party okay tonight Dan you're running doc doc tonight Bert you're running doc doc right, right. you guys do his it. actions you guys do his things the only thing I will do is speak for him right and and that and, seems to work pretty well
2: yeah and that's that's almost kind of like a throwback to the old uh old really old school days especially uh first edition a D and d with your henchmen and hirelings and your followers right at these they, they were there for support. They, they couldn't, they didn't, you didn't really have them make decisions on their own. They were, they were almost controlled by the players in a, in a way, you know, I, I guess I, I doc, think that doc works well. kind
0: of is a modern henchman if I looked at right. it, you know, in yeah. retrospect. So
2: um, one of the things that I find interesting though, about, about what you just said, and the, this whole story of doc doc is, that you specifically say he can't make decisions, and that speaks to me as one of my big things about NPCs is regardless of what type of NPC they are, every NPC, in my opinion, I think that you should ascribe to them at least one goal or motivation. And that's that's from the, the blurb or the background NPCs all the way up to the big power players or the big bads even, right? That, that, at least one. At least one. Could be more than one that maybe the characters, they're they're going to the village, they stop by a farmhouse, here's this old farmer, his motivation, he just wants to survive one more season and have a good harvest. Right. Hey, That's his motivation. And so most of his, so you can you can actually take that NPC and then regardless of what the players do or how they interact with them, you can use that as a point of reference to this is what his response or reaction will be. Right. No. Right.
0: Uh, cheap plug. Greenhaven. (laughs) One of the the new tables, because we did hit bestseller, uh, and I promised and made good on that promise, uh, was to double the random tables. Actually, two of the new tables. One is uh, random NPC motivations, and the second one is random NPC moods. So you can take a boilerplate NPC from anything, use that table. You, You have a barometer for how to run it.
2: So Doc Doc has a motivation, right? You you assign him a motivation. This it's it you called a program, but this is his motivation. He's going to do this. And and this is what drives him in all situations. And beyond that, he, you know, then that's when you draw the line. You know, that's where you drew your line. Right. So so he has a motivation. It's just clearly defined as he's not going to actually interfere. It's, it's almost like a prime directive. kind of thing right (laughs) yeah so i think that works really well you know and then you get up into your political leaders and stuff you know and you got the the evil archduke and he i want that kingdom over there that's my motivation i want that kingdom because they got a lot of resources and i know there's there's gold in those mines and there's some really good farmland yeah i mean and so you can you can you know it's like i said you can pretty much decide As a DM, it makes it very easy to figure out what they're going to do based on what the players do.
0: I also want to talk about, um, for a moment, how NPCs shape the world around them. They are an integral part of their little piece of the setting because a town is a town is a town. The people in that town are what make up the climate and the culture and the feeling and the mood. And, you know, you walk into a town and everybody's side-eyeing you from behind a shutter. That's very different from you walk into a town and you're greeted by the guards and escorted to a bustling marketplace, right? The, yeah. the, the inhabitants of your world through NPCs really add context At least for mine, they do.
1: And it's not just context. I mean, they can affect mood. They can affect, um, uh, they can even, you know, affect your party directly, you know, with things like, you know, uh, willingness to trade, availability, like the NPCs are uh, what kind of, they can infect more than, you know, just that sort of basic plot as far as it goes.
0: Quick thoughts, NPCs, worst tropes to layer onto an NPC. I'll start. The NPC that turns. Yeah. Everybody has Uh, it. It's always going to happen,
2: but it has become
0: so boilerplate now that I have seen groups that are inherently distrustful of every single NPC Right, because they're waiting for the turn.
2: Yeah, especially for the ones that seem really friendly, right?
0: Oh yeah, right. Yeah, it, it's it's almost not possible to have just a friendly town drunk anymore.
2: Uh, I, I would I would throw in the trope of the uh, and and I love me some Dragonlance, but it actually kind of goes back to this: the uh, the incompetent, bumbling fool who turns out to be an extremely powerful. Um, NPC of some kind, a you know a right? wizard or 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 an avatar of a god or something. It's the Jar
0: Jar Banks that. NPC. Right,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh for me it's the you know and it's a trope that you see a lot and I, I still think it's overused. It has its place. The retired adventurer NPC. <laughs>
2: <laughs> until he took an arrow in the knee, right? Yeah.
1: Right, yeah. You know, I was like I'd be oh. out there with you. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, my, there's a little rust on my axe these days, but yeah. back when I was a young barbarian. <laughs> yeah.
2: You know, when I was your age, I used to, until I drew on my dick with that red marker and pretended I was a horse. <laughs>
1: I, was,
2: <laughs> I was a badass on the battlefield. I could tell you stories. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 the headline this week in the news
0: is that we can't get by a single episode now without a horse girl
2: joke. <laughs> it was traumatic. It was traumatic. I it's It shaped me as a person, and not in a good way. Oh, I'm sure it shaped something. <laughs>
0: Final thoughts, if anyone wants to throw down on the NPCs. Give them a little more effort
1: than you think they need, because it'll really make your adventure shine.
2: Yeah prepare a list of names ahead of time or at least have a random table like you can find in Greenhaven uh, for NPC names. Touché. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my
0: final thought, is kind of contrary to Bert's, but it dovetails with it. Don't over-prepare your NPCs. Let your NPCs organically develop based on their interactions with the party. But, well, gentlemen, I think... That was a a good discussion of how the other people in the world that are not your players really do contribute. so uh, that that brought my spirits up a little bit, right? Yeah, I don't have to hit 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 the bad button. I do have to hit the bad button. It's just a different bad button. the wow. news this week., <laughs> yeah, let me. Let me see what we've got on the palette today. I think it's an interesting smattering of things. I I want to start out by saying that there was um, some, oh, what would you call it? Kyle, uh, the magic, the gathering thing. We're not going to talk about it in a news story because I just don't think there's enough details out right
2: now. Yeah, there's not enough info.
0: There's there's some, you know, caterwauling about AI art appearing in Magic the Gathering cards. Um, I don't even know whether to believe it. Look, I'm, I'm giving wizards the benefit of the doubt because they've been called on this before and they were inappropriately called on it before to the point where the artist came out and said, no, here is my work. Here is my work in stages. Right. It's not, I'm sorry that you feel that way. So whether you love it or whether you hate it, we're starting to shout at clouds when it comes to AI. Um, hmm. anything quick you guys want to interject on this? Cause I don't really have a story for it. I know we should talk about it, but I don't want to spend a lot of time on it because right now it's a nothing. It is an accusation with no proof.
2: Yeah, it's, it's accusations. Um, Watsi has come out and said very staunchly, no, we've made sure this is there's no AI involved in this. You know, it's it's a hit, he said, she said kind of situation. Uh, we don't have enough information. I will say this. I think with the proliferance of things like mid-journey and other types of AI art that we're starting to see on the internet, I wonder sometimes if actual artists are either consciously or unconsciously, subconsciously being influenced by these images when they create their own. I I believe that they are.
0: I believe that they are because AI arts love it or hate it. It's here and it's a tool for people to use. So right. it's going to shape the the landscape to an extent and i think that's what yeah, bothers and, people the most
2: and and well and and you know the what, what i'm really kind of getting at there is that so now you've got a creator who's you know they're, they're an artist and they're making this art they're being influenced by ai art in their own head and so now they're drawing stuff that kind of looks similar to ai art which makes it really hard to determine to someone completely outside, you know, me sitting at my desk, looking at AI art and their images like, wow, these look a lot alike. I think they're both AI art, AI art,
0: right. It's really easy to, to, to make that step without any, any, yeah. anything. And, and, and it goes the other I, way too, because I have had people right. ask me on green Hey, who's the artist. Right. But, and um, I very proudly tell them my tale to create a non mid journey alternative that looks like the hand of someone that's consistent in a human. So the, the lines are just going to continue to get blurred. And that's why we need to drop the descriptor, right? It, art right. is art is art. And it's evolved for centuries and it's going to continue to evolve for centuries long after we're dead and gone. All right. Enough about that, but a little bit more about dungeons and dragons. Uh. Um, A Dungeons and Dragons historian. We're going to talk about that title later. Uh, Ben Riggs. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm not going to bag on Mr. Riggs. He clearly has his bent and it's out there, but... uh, What can I say? He's pop gaming media, right? It is what it is. Yeah. But Ben, and this is why it's in the news, not because we're bagging on Ben Riggs, but Ben Riggs, who would be considered an ally of Wizards, an ally of the Sparkly Ones, right? Mm-hmm. Has made the public statement that Dungeons & Dragons, at least the golden age of Dungeons & Dragons and role-playing games, is dead. Hmm.
2: Well,
0: That's, Yeah. <laughs> Kyle's like, you're not telling me anything that I don't already know. <laughs> I mean, I'm
2: not, I'm, I'm not an actual historian, but I mean, yeah. According to Riggs, the golden age
0: of tabletop RPGs was the 2010 decade that included Stranger Things and Critical Role, bringing all these new fans to Dungeons and Dragons. Oh.
2: I don't, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I'm, I'm old enough to remember the 80s. Uh, I mean,
1: why, why does a boom in interest suddenly mean the golden age?
0: Uh, you know, I'm also gonna give Riggs a pass on this because it's just a descriptor, right? I've heard all sorts of things. I've heard what we came up with is the classic, the classic age, the silver age. I've heard it referred to as the golden age. It's, it's, it's just a descriptor, but the, the important thing here is that there is on some level, and this is not the first sort of peak that we've seen, there is recognition that Wizards is not the bee's knees. Right. And it's coming from the folks that are generally supporting and defending Wizards of the Coast. So I see this as a big positive for true fans, not foes, not sparkle trolls, but true fans of the hobby, because they are going to have an influx of bodies and minds that they will have to welcome in and gatekeep the shit out of. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan that will support their tables into the next generation of players. So Um, I just find it odd that, that that particular phrase, you know, they use the God is dead phrase. Uh, and I think that that's where he was going with it. I I don't know. It's speculation.
2: Yeah. Um, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. I mean, I don't know. Regardless. regardless, um,
1: I mean, six times as many gaming groups as I was in the 2010s right now. So I don't know that the hobby is dead.
2: Yeah, well, it's not that the hobby is dead. It's that the the age is dead. It's that it, I, I kind of see his point with if, if you think about the golden age of Hollywood. If you if you kind of use that as a metric, where you know you're talking about things like critical role and stuff like that, you started to have faces that people recognized, and it became. Fairly mainstream, whereas in the '80s it was not. No. So I mean, I guess I could I could give him a little bit of uh, leeway for for referring to it as a golden age there, but yeah, that, it is certainly kind of over. I mean, we've known it for a while though. It's like you know, you're not really telling me anything I don't
0: know. Right, and I think the cat's out of the bag. Things like Critical Role aren't Dungeons and Dragons. That's also coming to the front it's bubbling up and, and people yeah. are realizing that um yeah. a couple of weeks but ago yeah. on the speakeasy we went through all of the o faces <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. not dungeons and dragons right um
2: right and again it's, uh...
0: you know dnd is going to be the utility term for the hobby whether we like it or not yeah so it's-
2: yeah, it's like uh, you know we kind of talked about it on the speakeasy uh, on Saturday. It's a, it's, a, it's like quick. It's like a Q tip, right? Right. Hand me a Q tip. It's kind of become a generic term that's all encompassing. It's like
1: how
0: in the South they call every soda a Coke.
2: Coke, right? Yeah. Yeah,
0: and in Cali, that happens in Cali too.
2: Or or a Kleenex instead of a facial tissue, yeah. right? it's it, I, I, it, I still it's say a tissue. <laughs> It's a it's it's a brand that has, you know, kind of lost its trademark just through common vernacular.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Um it's just counterfeit D D to me. And it's insulting that the phrase gets associated with these fucks at like dimension twenty, right? Um Whatever. We 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 will continue to fight the good fight, continue. To hold that door, gatekeeping is
2: good. Again, hold, no. the hold the door. Hold <laughs> door.
0: Uh, counterfeit is a good transition here for us. We talked about a game that I almost pledged. It was a strictly two-player game mm-hmm. that was a little underwater theme. Do you guys remember the title of that game? We, we made fun of it because the title was
2: not strong. I don't remember the title of yeah, it, but I, I, I definitely remember, remember talking about it.
0: The title of the game is Kelp,
2: right? Kelp.
0: Oh, right. right. Yeah, that's Kelp, right. Kelp. <laughs> well, the designers of Kelp are urging players not to buy copies of their game that are available online because their design and print models somehow got in the hands of Chinese counterfeiters. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh. No shit. So the, the the very well received Shark versus Octopus game that, in my opinion, was a little too expensive, and that was the the bottom line for me. It was it was slightly priced out. Well, the counterfeiters thought it was a little too expensive too, because he, here's what happens with this, right? It's not counterfeiters. It's the same exact printer that you're using in China that's doing it. And when they see a copy of something that is priced out that they know that there's wiggle room on, they're going to run it, and they're going to absolutely fulfill your order as promised, and then they're going to run a cheaper version of it and then push it out to the mass market. And I think that that's what happened here in my speculation. Uh, These scammers have listed counterfeit copies on Amazon, eBay, and other e-commerce platforms. This was posted to the Wonderbow Games website. We've identified counterfeit copies circulating on these platforms. Despite recent efforts and takedowns, we cannot beat this wave. And, and I I mean, I understand that. The very first Sparkle Troll t-shirt, within a week, within a week, because it was priced out, right, because it was yeah. the the gag was it's an expensive T-shirt, it's an overpriced T-shirt because you're supporting the show, uh, and this was before we were partnered with Amazon where we could offer them for twenty bucks. Right, the right. very first Sparkle Troll T-shirt in less than a week, I started issuing takedowns, and I realized that I couldn't keep up with it, so I just threw my hands up at that point. Right. I hey, uh, the the game did crowd fund almost a million five. And um, that was in euros. So if you convert it, it did crowdfund a million five. Oh, yeah. And drew enough attention that the counterfeiters are out. Uh, The big tell is that the counterfeiters did not print the back box artwork. Everything else is the same. Everything else is the same. So I... Really like the game. I really want to support people, but the little devil on my shoulder every once in a while says, "Ryan, go get one of these counterfeits for twenty-five (laughs) bucks." Because everything else, no, no, and I and I, I'm joking here. Everybody knows my stance on piracy. If if you're priced out, you're priced out. I'm not going to buy it. I'm not going to go out and seek a counterfeit copy of Kelp. But it's really disturbing, actually. Well, yeah, uh, China be China-ing, right?
2: yeah it's it's not yeah it's I don't know. I guess it's more along the lines of now not only do you have to design a game and do all this other stuff, now you have to be particularly conscious of price.
0: If you're not conscious of price on some level, then you're not setting yourself up for success.
2: right, but this is just another this is just another variable that you have to throw into the equation now, right?
0: right. Very true. Yeah. Very true. Especially, yeah. especially if you are in that gap where you're producing a physical product, because mm-hmm. let's face it, it's going to be produced in China, unless you are very deliberate and intentionally producing it in the states or in your home right. country. But if you're doing that, then price is also another consideration too, because. Right. I looked to print a board game a couple of years ago. It would be cost prohibitive for me to print it in the states and that's sad Mm -hmm. that's sad yeah 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 Mm. Uh, i did just do a quick peek uh amazon has purged all of the kelp listings so those of you that were thinking naughty thoughts like the devil on my shoulder don't do it um that's good because we do want to support the the publisher but guys you know, two-player mid-sized box game. Realign your pricing a little bit, and that that will help defend you against this, and probably increase your volume. So I don't know that it it would would not be a wash. Feel bad because yep. it looked like a good game,
2: right? Yeah, yeah. It's too bad. It really is. Yeah. I'm, I'm being sin- I'm being sincere. I always I always hate it when uh, a creator or a publisher, you know, who who's doing everything in good faith gets, gets burned on something like that. It it sucks. sucks. Yeah, it definitely does. Especially in indie or a small, small press.
0: Yeah. Small press is, is fighting a battle on multiple fronts. So Uh, a couple of quick hits in the board game world too. There's some new stuff coming out that has caught my eye. Uh, I'm going to share probably what's at the top of my list as far as interesting There's a game called Skyrise that's going to be released in 2024. Oh, let me guess, Ryan. It's a city builder. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You have to accomplish the goal of building a city that floats in the skies. You're one of a series of rival inventors, and you construct various buildings atop a platform trying to get as much prestige as possible. So prestige Bert. points are your are your your uh, victory points, right?
2: Yeah, Bert, grab the anti gravity plates now. <laughs> it looks so,
0: beautiful. It's art deco style, like mm-hmm. retro futuristic art deco style, which I love. Um, man,
2: I'm excited for Skyrise. It looks good.
0: Of it's course, you have got
2: a Bioshock vibe to it, doesn't it? Yeah,
0: yeah, that retro really? futuristic. Yeah, yeah absolutely.
1: Um any I, companies out there looking to get Ryan David's money, emulate City
0: Skylines in any way you can. No, no, no. City Skylines 2 is dog shit, man. <laughs> they pushed that sucker out so fast that um, you just couldn't couldn't keep up with it. Other so things that are coming like out in 2024 yeah. of notes, uh second edition of Gloomhaven, so they did revise some things. Although okay. now Cephalofair and Isaac Childress has a lot of woke taint, um, we don't we don't yeah. often talk about it. In the last couple of times we've talked about Gloomhaven, you know, it was it was coming out. I don't know that I can continue to support Cephalofair games, which is a huge shame because Gloomhaven raised the bar and moved the stick in the industry when it was released. Yeah.
2: It was yeah, they're playing play to their market though, right? I guess. I guess. Uh, you've mentioned it before about how the, the board game community, for lack of a better word, is uh far worse. Much more big yeah, far worse beyond woke, you know, than, than what the RPG uh Yeah, that's all I gotta say. I mean, yeah. so they're they're pl- they're they're playing to their market, right? I mean, these are the these are the people who are buying our games. Obviously, they are.
1: I
0: mean, it's always smart to cater to your audience a little bit in any business. But at what point do you find that balance where you can cater to your audience and produce, let's say, at the core, their audience are gamers, right? People are interested in playing a good game. Where do you find the tipping point where you piss off people that are a considerable amount of spend? Bert, and I'm. this isn't me bragging by any means, but would you say that I spend more on board games than the average board gamer?
1: Um, No, I mean, looking at that room of cardboard behind you, no, I wouldn't say that at all. <laughs>
0: Why would you want to isolate me and ostracize me? I am your super customer. I'm your whale. I, I just don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, another thing that's exciting for me. Do you guys remember the 1983 Beast and Gem crossbows and
2: catapults? I do. Yes, we had that as a as a kid. I wish I still had that.
0: You can Restoration Games has licensed crossbows and catapults and it will be releasing really? in 2024. The revised Ooh. version uses different blocks to build the walls. All right. And you can use all of your satisfying siege weapons to knock those
2: motherfuckers down. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Me, me and my brother had that game. We used to play that. Ooh, restoration game. Restoration okay, games
0: it looks like they're going to hit another home run. Their last one being returned to Dark Tower. So okay. uh, and Prior to that, Fireball Island. So um I'm I'm excited for crossbows and catapults. I never had it. My neighbor did. I didn't like this motherfucker, but I went over to his house (laughs) to play that game.
2: Uh Uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh. Your crossbows and catapults acquaintance. (laughs) Yes. One hundred percent. Johnny Sampson. (laughs) hey johnny hey johnny i hated you but i wanted to play with your toys (laughs) quick quick uh interlude here we talked about the battlestar galactica reboot Mm -hmm. and we talked about how we hope that amazon and hollywood don't do the amazon and hollywood things Yeah, Well, the cycle has started. They've already replaced the showrunner. There you go. That's all I'm going to say, right? There's there's nothing more. uh, And I I, I apologize. It's not Amazon. It's Peacock in this particular instance. Um, The original showrunner is staying on as contractually required because that's what happens, right? His name will be on the show forever, but he is absolutely out of the loop. He's an EP, and he's going to collect a check. Uh, They did release some other news about the series to sort of sandwich the bad between some good where it is not going to be a direct adaptation of either the 70s or the reboot series, but it is going to take place in the Battlestar Galactica universe of the reboot series, potentially with an entirely new cast of characters. I've already lost my
2: interest. (laughs) I was going to say that's that's almost worse news. Yeah, yeah. Right. I
0: mean,
2: yeah. That's part that. now well, now we're not constrained to the source material anymore. Now we can write our own fan fiction. I mean, that's how I read that. That's 100% part of the, it.
1: Part, ahead, of the appeals, part of the appeal is the nostalgia, right? So I mean, if they're moving away from you know, if they're moving moving away from that nostalgia factor, then, you know, they're going to have to do
0: some serious heavy lifting to get people interested. It's not looking good. I want to, if I'm going to watch Battlestar Galactica, I want to see the Galactica in its battle against the Cylons, period, end of story. Right. It's like watching Star Trek, only it's not Star Trek. You know, it's Star Trek, but we're not in space. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) It's Star Trek in an office building. Yeah. I don't want to see... Star Trek The Office right? I want to see Star Trek in space Cool ships blowing shit up Fighting alien races Yeah Yeah. I mean
1: for all we know it's going to be a show About an up and coming pyramid team And their rise to the top
0: Yeah well (laughs) I dated a girl that I Called Pyramid Carla A long time ago (laughs) Because of her body shape, it was like an inverted pyramid. She was very wide at the top, and it came down to a nothing waist and legs. <laughs> Girl was 104 pounds, and 103 of them were tits and shoulders. <laughs> oh, Ryan. Ryan. Anyway. I, I
1: knew I should have said triad and not pyramid. I like
0: pyramids yeah. better. <laughs> Last thing in the news this week. I know it was a big news week. But I I would be remiss if I didn't mention this. And I don't know that if you saw it. um, A young man of 13 years named Willis Gibson has done something that no human being has ever done before. He rolled Tetris. Now, Tetris, much like the og games from back in the day donkey kong Mm pac-man had no presumed end of the game right right it just kept going mr gibson rolled it so far that just like pac-man when you beat it it crashes (laughs) and he was the first one to do it so hats off dude good good for you That's not why I'm bringing the news. I would have probably, you know, said, hey, uh, this dude beat Tetris, and that would have been the end of it. No. In a news story that aired in the United Kingdom, the freaking talking head that was interviewing him decided to shit all over him during the segment. Quote, as a mother, I would say just step away from the screen. Go outside and get some fresh air. Beating Tetris is not a life goal, she said with a smile on her face. "This Who's she? She is Jane Secker, who is a Sky News reporter slash talking head slash whatever. Hey, Secker. Go fuck yourself.
2: <laughs> I mean, give the you know give the kid a his fifteen minutes of fame, right? right? Right. I mean, come on, it's a kid, and 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 he and he did something that nobody else has ever done before. And if he hadn't done it, you wouldn't have a fucking news segment there, Jane. So
1: right. I mean, yeah, it, he might have done something silly that nobody's ever done before, but nobody's ever done it, and that's worth at least a. You know, a head
0: nod for it, you know? This 50-year-old aging beauty needs to be replaced, as does most of the mainstream media. But that is our news for the week. So what a shitty, shitty thing to do, man. Especially to a kid, you know? Yeah,
2: Yeah. especially to a kid.
0: 13 years old, too, right? He's getting there where he'll understand, but it still hurts. Oh,
2: yeah be a little different if he was 33 living in mom's basement you know then maybe we wouldn't feel so bad yeah uh, even if he was 33 man <laughs> yeah. took him took me 20 years to do this bitch.
0: It's, right it's not as though it's a game that came out six months ago there have been plenty of opportunities for human beings to do that before
2: right
0: hey. uh whatever um Stand up for our nerd brethren. Don't become a sparkle troll, Willis. Come to the right side and play AD&D with the Nerd Cognito crew. Anyway. <laughs> um, or, uh, uh, you know, be a Bert, Play everything. Be a Bert, Play everything. Be a Bert. I did kick out a news story this week. It was a list from the pop gaming media of eight guidelines for how to name your NPCs. Uh, okay if, Do we really need a list of, For people to come up with how to name NPCs Get a freaking random table Go buy Greenhaven <laughs> No they, they have a complete and comprehensive Come up with naming conventions Names in real life Often you have conventions based on nation, history, religion And more You can honor the diversity And provide equity amongst your NPCs Through naming
2: yeah, I don't know. I mean, you you want to know something I've done in the past for naming NPCs, and I don't need to read a list from pop gaming media. They have a list media. of eight
0: items. I'm not going through the whole
2: thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, nowadays you can go to Google and do it, but back in the day, before Google and all that, you you'd go to the library and you'd pick up one of those books baby that's book. like b- baby names, yeah. right? There's, yes. There's every every fucking name you could ever think of (laughs) is in this book broken down into male and female. I mean, it's whatever.
0: Don't spend too long. Names are important, but they're not that serious. After all, the showpiece of your campaign is going to be your characters and the narrative that they tell the name of your NPC. doesn't really matter as long as your characters are having fun. To a point,
2: that's true, but I mean, why everybody has a bobble in the goblin right because names aren't important and <laughs> yeah, put a little bit of effort into it guys come on that's You're why pe- i said earlier just, you know i have a list of names
0: just use the job for your surname it could be like kyle the fletcher <laughs> bert the hunter ryan the dick <laughs> Go to Google Translate and take names from other languages. Again, you'll be doing a, an important step to make sure that the representation at your table is at a hundred
2: percent. I thought that was cultural appropriation. If they do it, it's it's
0: representation. If we oh. do it, it's representation. Then I'm appropriate. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. I'm appropriate. Yeah. Okay.
1: Come on, okay. guys. Everybody knows the easiest way to have NPCs is to create a. Um, science fiction world, and everybody's a clone, and give them all the same first name and then numbers. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so barcodes. You're, you're like, yeah, yeah,
2: you're like you're take like, yeah. it one
0: step further, integrate it with your vir- integrate it with the virtual tabletop so then you can just scan your NPCs.
2: Yeah. What do you think, THX 1138?
1: <laughs> right, yeah. You're like you're like welcome to planet Bob. I'm Bob
0: 12. You know. mm-hmm. such a hot oh. babe, by the way, in THX 1138.
2: <laughs> oh <my> God, dude. <laughs> Holy
0: smokes.
2: God, I'm glad you don't watch anime. Yes,
1: me too. Oh,
2: uh, what? Like the waifu thing? Yeah. yeah.
0: I like them at least to be real. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what's very real? We took a look this week at an upcoming product from a friend of the show and our eternal Check mark hero. that be the Cinnamander, and Sin has what is shaping up to be a very good looking product coming out soon. Bert, you want to summarize it for everybody? Let them know what they can look at on the horizon coming from Sin. Well, I mean
1: going through the materials i would call it a post-apocalyptic sci-fi cosmic horror mashup
2: i think that that
1: is pretty apt
0: don't you kyle
2: yeah i mean yeah pretty much i mean those are those are the three big influences i think it has influences from fantasy i think it has influences from uh maybe the western genre as well a little bit but those are the three big core
0: yeah I saw it as a big smorgasbord of all of the things that we love, right? Some of them were side dishes, but the main dish, Cosmic Horror, it was there. And I was ready to gobble it up. Um, I looked through the materials, as did all of us. Uh, So we all -hmm. all previewed it. Um, I thought that it was very comprehensive for the level of design that it's at right now. Um, At its core... It's going to run like a standard fair post-apocalyptic game, but it's got all of this love and lore that is seeming to be built into it. Do you guys agree with that statement?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, there are a huge number of factions and descriptions and things like that that are just baked right into the material that you gave me.
2: Yeah, the setting is really the thing that sets this apart right and and to the point that the uh game master or the in this case it's called the narrator the narrator's uh guide is um primarily a setting book for i mean essentially i mean there's there's a few other things in there of course you know about running the game and some vehicle rules and stuff like that but but a significant portion of it is dedicated to setting and the setting is very interesting
0: so I think that um, I think that there was one thing that was on my wish list for this product. It's almost, and maybe it's my ape brain here. There's so much going on. I don't know where I would dig in. It did seem a little busy, but again, that was for me. Um, I wanted more of a compass, and that's not a negative thing. It's just a on the surface sort of criticism question mark
2: Comment. constructive criticism constructive, constructive. criticism it's i felt a little criticism. lost uh no I, I i did too i did too and i think that the and and i find i think i finally came to the conclusion that for me and remember i'm an old guy so my comprehension isn't what it used to right, be
0: that's, that's what i kept chalking it up to i'm like am i just dumb because i know what i want to do with what i'm reading but i don't know where to begin
2: right I think that the uh, player's field guide uh, needs to be reorganized, and and how I would do that is the stuff that starts showing up at the end of the rule section, which is essentially the core rules of the game, here's how you do stuff, needs to be moved to the front. And I understand why it's set up the way it is right now, because it's designed along the create your character and it starts with character creation and it goes from there. But there's a lot of Mm -hmm. stuff that's thrown in there that you're that I'm really unclear, um, action points. And, um, I didn't have a clear indication of how to use those and what to do with them, but I'm creating a character without a final vision in mind. As I go through, where do I want to spend these points? To do this and this and this and where do i want where do i want my ability scores at because i don't have a clear understanding of what these are. that's my biggest criticism and so when you get to the end where it actually talks about here's how you do stuff and here's how you do this and what this means and bump
0: that to the beginning
2: bump that to the mm-hmm. beginning and basically say here's a basic rules overview then go into the character creation that's how i would personally handle that but I don't know. It could still work. It's still very much a preliminary product, right? It's it's not even... It has been released.
0: The product is the Navarro Knight, and I think it has a lot of promise. It looks really good. Like I said, it it, does look good. It goes into a level of depth that is... Not often seen at our independent level of publishing. So hats off to Sin. I can't wait to see what the final release copy looks like. Uh, we're absolutely going to dig into it hardcore at that point. Uh, but I, it, it's coming along so good that I had to put some time into the show just to make sure that that we right. you know, got it out there and got some stuff on the radar. So if you are not, and we say it every week, but now another reason if you're not following Cinemander on the twitter machine formerly known as x wait you know what i mean <laughs> follow him up at cinnamander c-y-n-n-a-m-a-n-d-e-r check out the navarro knight as it comes out maybe he'll you know throw some bits and scraps out for other people to have some some opinions too but so far it looks really good bert uh I I stepped over you, but I wanted to make sure that we got the the info for Sin out. Uh, what was your your wrap up thought here? For me,
1: I think that there was so much given for the setting. It's hard to know where to start an adventure.
0: I mean, and it's I already w- divided into several volumes. Maybe divide into a settings volume and just have a, a smaller vo- tome that's core rules, and then include the settings otherwise. You know, I get it if you are going to package it in one book, but it's already set up into multiple books.
2: Right. Yeah. So, and, there, and, and there was a uh, there was a an adventure included, uh, mm-hmm. and and the uh, promotion all right. the, uh preview that we were given.
0: Good stuff, though. Uh, the Navarro Knight, check it out. Follow Cinnamander, Get all of the goods. Well, uh, the the tale of my now public domain Mickey Mouse watch says that it is time for me <laughs> to, to wrap up and remind people to do the things. First and, for- <laughs> First and foremost, make sure that you are subscribed here, wherever you're listening to us at. We're on all major podcast providers. That makes sure that you get the show at release delivered to the device of your choice. Also, subscribe on YouTube so that you can see the Saturday Speakeasy, the Saturday Delight that is tearing up Saturday afternoons. Uh, It's growing each and every week, and we want you to be a part of it. Make sure you go to YouTube.com slash at nerdcognito hit the subscription button, ring that bell to make sure that you get the notifications, do the YouTube things like the world. We really want to drive up those subscription numbers to the 4-500 mark so that we can beat the YouTube algorithm and start to spread Nerd Cognito Nation goodness everywhere. On my front, I want you to go to Drive Through RPG, search for Greenhaven, and pick it up, man. The new updated version, including double tables, new art, and some minor minor revisions, is up there right now. Dollar ninety nine, less than two bucks. Um, what am I forgetting? I'm not forgetting anything. I think that's about it for this week, huh, boys? Yeah, I
2: think yeah. so.
0: Yeah, I think we're all right then I will just thank everybody for tuning in this week. We appreciate you. We look forward to seeing you Saturday in the chat on the speakeasy. I look forward to you popping Greenhaven into your campaign. And, uh, hey, we have a good time every week bringing you all sorts of stuff. My name is Ryan David. I was joined by Kyle and Bert, and we will talk at you next week. Be safe out there, everybody.
2: Remember, kids, every NPC is the hero of their own story.